Well, good morning, church. My name is Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, normally, I don't feel this way, but I've been praying a lot this past week. I've been reading the Bible a lot this past week. I feel the Spirit moving today, so you're all in trouble, because we'll see what happens. Uh, I feel very convicted by what we're going to be talking about today, uh, just because it touches my soul. And so uh, if, there's any, if there's any day to pay attention to a message, I hope today could be that day. Not to hype up the message, but uh, yeah, it could just be something I ate, who knows? Uh, but I really think that God wants us to hear what he has to say today. So if you have your program uh, or your Bibles, let's look at Mark chapter 2. And we're going to look at two stories in the life of Jesus. And if you're able to, we at this church, we believe that God speaks when we read his word. So can we all rise and stand together? And I'll read this out loud for us as we read along. So uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Verse 23. One Sabbath, he, meaning Jesus, was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you, ever, have you never read what David did when he was in need and was, in, was hungry, and he, was with those, and, and he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with them. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again, he entered a synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal on him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hands was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is a reading of God's word. Can I pray for us before we begin? Lord, I truly believe you brought everyone here for a specific reason, because you have a word to say to each person who is here. And so may your spirit speak, and may our hearts, O Lord, be ready to listen. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. You may please be seated. Uh, During the pandemic, like many of you, I was regularly meeting people online on Zoom for meetings and whatnot. And man, the people I would meet with, they would always complain about my internet connection. They're like, Tom, your internet connection sucks. And I don't blame them because it was, the internet was always laggy. My video would sometimes freeze. And it happened regularly. You ever have it where someone makes a joke and it's pause and a laugh comes like 10 seconds later? Makes it completely awkward. That was normal for me in my meetings. And so they always complain about that. And I remember one day I was on the internet and it was super laggy. Like YouTube took forever to load. ESPN took forever to load. And so I decided, you know, I've had it. I'm going to call my internet provider and I'm going to let them know like what's going on. I'm going to threaten to change the plan and so forth. And I remember I was, I was talking to them. Uh, the technician asked me, oh, so your internet's slow. How often do you reboot, reboot your router? And I was like, what's a router? And they're like, oh, that's the thing that, if you don't know, that's, this is a router right here. And they're like, that's the thing that you, you know, it's probably making your internet slow because you know, what you're supposed to do is you have to turn it off every once in a while. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I turned it off and turned it back on and the internet was still slow. And I was like, hey man, like, it's still not working. And he was like, did you turn it off for a full 10 seconds? 
And I was like, oh, I had no idea like, why you had to do that. And the reason why, you, if you're curious why you had to do the four ten seconds, is because a router, it is not ran, uh, next slide, it's not charged by batteries. Batter, batteries, they convert energy to make a thing run. But it is actually run by this thing right here. It's called a capacitor, and it stores energy. So it's storing it for the, for the router. And the more it's storing, that's when your internet starts to become slow, and it becomes laggy. And so when you shut it down, when you shut down the router, what you're doing is you are refreshing it, where the, it's, not, it's getting empty, and you do the full 10 seconds so that it's completely empty. And once you do that, it will start to run properly again. And the reason why I mention this is because many of us here, we are functioning like my router. You're not functioning right. You seem to be a bit laggy. You seem to be a bit slow. And that, what that really looks like in human terms is you tend to have this chronic state of fatigue, anxiety, anger, depression. And it's not high, but it's just this low, low chronic state of anger, depression, fatigue, and you think it's because of your job that you're working, it's like in this career that you're not meant for, so should you get a different type of career? You think it's your marriage, and so you wonder about, this, about your spouse, or you think it's where you live in California, so you got to move to Portland or Seattle or New York and find yourself, and that's what's going on. And that might be true, maybe. Or it could be that your capacitors are simply full, and you have not been regularly refreshing them. And that's why the sermon series that we're talking about today, that's precisely why I'm looking forward to talking about today, this particular practice. If you're with us for the first time, we're looking at a sermon series that's focusing on not just Jesus, but the practices of Jesus, where we are saying, if you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt his lifestyle. Let's look at what Jesus does. And we started where we talked about silence and solitude. These are the practices up here. We talked about Bible reading. We talked about prayer. We talked about fasting last week. Now today, as we hit the midpoint, we're going to be talking about this all-important practice of Sabbath. And if you are somebody who is that person with this low, chronic state of low-level tiredness and stress and anger and anxiety, this is probably the most important practice for you. Because while practice like silence and solitude, it gives you breath, Sabbath gives you rest. While silence and solitude is like resetting that router, Sabbath is shutting it down. And you were designed to shut down. Now here's the problem. Many of you, you grew up in the church your whole life, and so you practice Sabbath regularly, and yet here you are. You're still tired. You're still stressed. In fact, church makes you more tired and more stressed. I'm sure that's many of you, and you know, if that's you, I empathize, but let me propose something. My proposal is that you all may have gone to church your entire life without ever in your life practicing a real Sabbath. And that's why you're so tired. That's why you're so stressed still. That's why you're so angry. And that's why I want us to look at, well, let's look at Sabbath the way Jesus taught Sabbath. Not your Asian church not your family, the way they tell you how Sabbath is, but what does Jesus have to say about Sabbath? How did he practice Sabbath? What did he teach about Sabbath? And when you learn what Jesus says about Sabbath, you will find it is the most impractical practice. It feels like you can't do it, and yet it is the most life-changing practice that you experience. And the reason why I say that with such confidence is because personally, 
I see the practice of Sabbath as the most essential practice for my mental health and my spiritual longevity. If I did not practice Sabbath, I would not be here as a pastor. I'd be farming somewhere else because I would literally fall apart. Because I, I love, of all the practices, I love Bible reading. That comes naturally to me. Prayer is kind of hard. It's the it's hardest practice for me. Uh, science and solitude, I, I, I need that. Fasting is something I'm slowly enjoying. Sabbath, though, I will die without Sabbath. I will slowly wither if I didn't practice Sabbath. And when I look at a lot of us here, when I hear your story, I could tell a lot of you, you are slowly withering. You are slowly struggling day by day. And you think what you need is vacation. You just need to hold on until Christmas break happens and that will give you life. Or you need to pick up a hobby and that will give you life. And those are helpful, but I would propose what you really need is you need this ancient practice called Sabbath. Sabbath is something where it, will, it restores life into you. It restores your soul. And again, I cannot imagine life without it. And yet I know so many of us, it's not there. And so I like the way one author puts it. He says like this, quote, Sabbath, it cannot save your soul, but it may very well save your life. And so to talk about this important practice and what it looks like, I want to talk about three things. Number one, what is Sabbath? Like, what are we talking about here? Two, what is the purpose of Sabbath? Like, why, do we, why should we even do it? And then three, how do we practice Sabbath? What does it look like? So first, what is Sabbath? So the Gospel of Mark that we just read, chapter 2 and 3, we see two of Jesus' most important teachings of Sabbath. And we need to pay close attention to what's happening, otherwise you won't get what's going on. Look again with me in chapter 2, verse 23 to 24. So the story begins where it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck the heads of the grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Now, I don't know about you, but if you read those two verses and you're not careful, you might get the impression that Jesus is a rebel. That even though people practice Sabbath, Jesus goes, not my followers. If you want to follow me, you don't have to do Sabbath. Sabbath is something you do what you want because it seems like he's breaking some Sabbath rule. And Jesus seems like he doesn't care. And so the impression again is that Jesus, oh, he's not a Sabbath person, it's optional, whatnot. But we have to kind of take a step back and realize, wait a minute, Jesus was a pious Jew. He was not only a pious Jew, but he was a Jewish rabbi. Sabbath was his life. Anyone who was Jewish, especially a rabbi, you would have Sabbath ingrained in your calendar. He grew up practicing Sabbath. So what is going on here? What's actually taking place? And to help understand this question, answer the question, we have to understand the story of Sabbath in the Torah or in the scriptures. And it's a really prominent theme, Sabbath, when you read the Bible. The first time you see the word Sabbath, it's a Hebrew word Shabbat, and it literally means the Hebrew word Shabbat, it means to stop or to cease. That's what it literally means. And this Hebrew word Shabbat, it first appears all the way back in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 2 at the creation story. And this is what it says, and this might sound familiar to a lot of us here. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, uh, uh, says, uh, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So we know the creation story. If you grew up in the church, he made everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. But look what God does in the seventh day. God rested and he does something to the seventh day. God, key phrase, 
is God blessed it the seventh day, meaning he made it a blessing. It's a gift, if you want to put another phrase. And he made it holy, meaning it is a set-apart day. This day is different. Now, we don't know how it's different for the rest of Genesis. It's silent on that until we get to the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, all of a sudden, we have this word Shabbat come up again. And this is when God is talking to Israel at Mount Sinai, and he gives the Ten Commandments. And look what God tells them about the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 to 11. It says this, quote, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath, or a Shabbat, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day, and therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he made it holy. So God tells us, you know what this day is set apart for? Two things. Rest, don't do work. Rest and do not do work. And this isn't some religious prescription. This isn't if you want to just simply follow me, but it's very interesting, the Exodus passage, it bases it upon creation. It refers back to this day where the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's almost like Sabbath is ingrained in the DNA of creation. Google, they are implementing along with a bunch of tech companies called something called a secular Sabbath. I'm not sure if that term is used in your companies. But pretty much they're telling the workers, hey, don't work for one day out of a week. Not because they care about you, because they want you to work better. Because they know that, hey, there's all these studies show that if you work beyond a certain amount of hours, your productivity goes down. There's a, you could, again, you could work more, but if there's a certain point, a certain amount of hours per week, that's, it is, studies are just universal, your productivity, it just kind of shots down. It just is not good anymore. You know what that number of hours are per week? 50 hours. Beyond 50 hours, the, you can still work, but it's just not as good work. You know what 50 hours adds up to? Six working days. It's almost like human beings, we were designed where we're supposed to work max six full working days. I like how one author puts it. She says it like this, quote, the rhythm of six day of work and one day of ceasing, it is written into the very core of our beings. That's why the last time someone tried to mess with this, where they said, hey, not seven days, let's work more. It was back in the French Revolution, where they said, instead of a seven day week calendar, let's do a 10 day week calendar so that we can get more productivity from people disaster when that took place. That's why no one does it. Because what happened was productivity actually went down. Depression went up. Suicide rates went up. It's almost like this is something that, again, it is created within the rhythm of creation to work six days and to rest one day. And that's why throughout Israel's history, Sabbath, it was not just something you do. It was the most important thing that a Jewish person would do. In fact, of all the practices that we went over of Jesus, it is the only practice listed in Ten Commandments. There's not, there's not Bible reading in Ten Commandments. There's not fasting. There's not even prayer. But there is Sabbath. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath command is the one command that's the, given the only one with an explanation saying why you do it. In fact, it's the longest command that's there. Jewish people, would, there's a saying where if you want to deepen your observance as a Jew, you must begin by keeping Shabbat. It is the baseline of how to be a Jew. Now, here's a problem, though. So Sabbath, it is a day where you rest and do not work. But what does that mean? What's considered rest and what's considered work? Very broad terms. 
And the Torah, or the Bible, the Old Testament, is very silent on that. It doesn't really explain. And so Jewish leaders, because they cared about Shabbat so much, they decided that let's, let's write a commentary about this. And it's created in this book called the Mishnah, where it's a, basically a commentary of how to do certain practices that the Bible is silent on. And so they made rules about the, the law of God, including Sabbath. And in the Mishnah, the Jewish leaders would say, hey, you know how you rest and not work? Don't plow, don't hunt. Uh, and there's a bizarre one, hey, don't write more than one letter. You can write the letter A, but letter B, that's when you're working. And so there's all these rules that are kind of there, and uh, that's where we get back to Mark chapter 2, and we actually see now what Jesus is doing. Because there's actually nowhere in the Torah does it say that you're, you're not allowed to pick grain. That's not in the Torah. But it's from the Mishnah. It's what the Jews are saying that you practice how you practice Sabbath. And so Jesus, he's not against Torah. He's not against Sabbath. He's against Mishnah, or how the Pharisees were telling us to practice Sabbath. And he backs that up by citing that story in, about David in verses 20, uh, 24 to 25, where he says, if that's your version of Sabbath, then David, King David, he messed up big time, because he totally destroyed the Mishnah. And so what Jesus is saying is, you're, you're, the problem I have with what you guys are talking about, Pharisees, is you have transformed the Sabbath. You have made it and deformed it into something that it was never intended to be. Because you know what the Sabbath is supposed to be, according to God's original intent, is in verse 27 of chapter 2. He says this, He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Or I like the way the Message Bible translates it. It's on the screen. It says this, The Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. All the rules that the Pharisees were putting on to change the Sabbath, it transformed it into a day rather than rest. It became a day of burden, a heavy day, a day you do not look forward to. And that's why I think for a lot of us, Sabbath doesn't help us. For a lot of us here, we are not practicing Sabbath because it's a burden. This is a burdensome day. You know why? Because you're like me. This is how you define Sabbath. What's Sabbath? Sabbath is this, going to church. That's what Sabbath is for us. Or if we're really honest, I have to go to church. That's Sabbath. How do you know you fulfill Shabbat? I came to service today. And I, you know, I don't want to go, but I had to go because you know, I don't want God to judge me or my pastors to judge me, so I'm here. And you know, your, parents, your pastors told you that, your parents told me that. So you have reduced Shabbat to this one hour and 15 minute time a day, and for some reason it's not enjoyable. And I, I completely understand. I completely get it. And that's your Shabbat. And that's why you're so tired. That's why this day is tiring. Others of you, this Shabbat's not just going to church, but it is this. It's catching up or getting ahead of work. You are here at service at church, and as soon as you go home, you're ready to work. Because you have a lot of papers to read or to write, college students. You have a lot of work to catch up on. Or if you have a free day, might as well get ahead. Might as well get ahead of the day. And that's, how we, that's what we're going to do. That's our plans every Sunday. Or for some of us, this is what Shabbat is. Shabbat is a day off. If you don't have much work, then I am going to run errands. I am going to do the chores that I did not have time to do from Monday to Saturday. Or I'm going to sit and veg out on the couch and watch Netflix. And that's your Shabbat. And that's why you're still tired. I remember when I was younger and I used to work a full-time job as an educator, I used to practice Sabbath all those ways. That was my normal Sabbath. I'd go to church on Sunday and I made sure I arrived right when the sermon began because if you come during the sermon, it doesn't count, right? 
Doesn't, Sabbath doesn't count for you, apparently, right? And then right when the sermon ended and people were praying, I was gone. I'd bounce. Could I go? I'd pick up errands, all the groceries I needed to buy, all the, all the stuff that I needed to take care of around the house. I'd pick up food, come home. Maybe I'd take a nap. Maybe I'll watch an episode of TV or a basketball game. But as soon as I was done with that nap, get to work. I had to catch up. I'm Monday to Friday, getting ready, getting ready for that. And when life got really busy, dude, I had to just uh, skip church. It was too crazy. Life, I'll, I'll go like bare minimum. Maybe I'll tune in online somewhere real quickly or I'll listen to a podcast. And most of the Sunday was dedicated to catching up or getting ahead of work. And you know what happened over a time of weeks and weeks and weeks of doing that? So depressed. Slowly withering. And I'd sometimes try to come back to church because I should do Shabbat. I should, because church, going to church is Shabbat. It's Sabbath. I'd come. And for some reason, church was just even, it was just a burden. I'm like, how am I doing this? Like, I get nothing out of it. And I feel like, and I was just tired. And I think for a lot of us, that's our Sabbath. That's what we do. We've reduced it to like the Pharisees. And the reason why that it's burdensome is it's what we're doing is it's we're practicing what uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson calls a bastard Sabbath. You are practicing an illegitimate version of the Sabbath. And you know you are when you look at Sabbath and it is not a day you look forward to. It is a burden, an obligation. You have to do it. That's when you know you are practicing Sabbath like a Pharisee. But do you know how you practice Sabbath like Jesus? Do you know what Jesus says Sabbath is? That goes to the second point. What is the purpose of Sabbath? What is Sabbath according to Jesus? And that's where the chapter three story is so helpful. Notice right after Jesus teaches on Sabbath, chapter three, same day, Jesus goes to synagogue. And it's a, it's a Sabbath day. And he heals somebody. Look what it says in chapter three, verse one and two. Again, he, Jesus entered the synagogue And a man was there with a withered hand, and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. Now, with the pause here, why does Jesus do this? Is this a random story Mark put in there just to extend Sabbath? Like, why this story? Why does Jesus heal a man on Sabbath? In fact, when you read the New Testament, you'll notice most of Jesus' healings, you know when he chooses to do it? On the Sabbath. Why? I believe Jesus, he's trying to show us something. The true purpose of what Sabbath day is supposed to be for us, it's a day of healing. It's a day where you experience healing for your life. And this isn't something new. It's not like Jesus is making this up. He, he's not breaking Torah. He wants us to go back to Torah. He wants us to go back to the original intent of Sabbath. Because when you look at the original intent of Sabbath, it's very interesting. In Genesis 1 to 2, when God creates everything, he creates the moon, the stars, and everything. He creates all things. That's what Genesis 1 to 2 says. But do you remember that God, he actually blesses only three things? There are three things God blesses in Genesis He blesses the animals, he blesses humans, and he blesses the seventh day. Why? Why doesn't he bless the stars? Why doesn't he bless the trees? Why the animals, why the humans, and why the seventh day? And we know why if you read it. God blesses the animals and says, be fruitful and multiply. God blesses the humans, be fruitful and multiply. He blesses both of them because they have the capacity to give life And he blesses them to give life. Why does he bless the seventh day then? 
Because the seventh day, the Sabbath, has capacity to give you life. It is built to give you life. That is the original design. And so why do we Sabbath? A very succinct answer is this, which is on the screen. Sabbath is a life-giving day that we practice every week to experience healing. That's what Sabbath is supposed to be according to Jesus. Because during the week, we don't share it, but you need this. You need healing. You need life. Because your life, you get beaten down throughout the whole week. Like some of you all, like your work life, you don't, you don't really express it because you try to like, you know, be Asian and like stuff it in and be strong. But it's brutal for some of y'all. You have crazy work hours. You have a terrible boss. You have rude customers. You're disrespected all the time. I remember I worked at a law firm one time. And you know how the lawyer would treat his employees? For every employee, when he wanted to talk to them, he wouldn't call their name. You know what the lawyer would do? He'd be like, hey, you. Hey, you. And just like, do that. And again, it's, it sounds petty to be like, oh, that hurt me. But if you experience that every day, it's like this slow like, degradation, this lack of stealing of dignity, treating you like some type of tool beckoning you in. I remember I was talking to somebody in the, uh, this past week, and they work customer service. And it's like, dude, just on a regular basis, customers would buy something and just throw money at them. And it's like, dude, like how degrading. And yet that's just, that's your life. You face that every day. Some of you, it's not your work life, but your home life, it's pretty brutal right now. Like marriage is really rough. Or your kids, they're being super rebellious and disrespectful, and nobody says thank you to you. No one thanks you for raising your children. No one thanks you, mom, for changing those diapers. Not even your spouse. No one thanks you. And you are just getting beaten down. Or some of you, it's not specific. It's just this general feeling of heaviness, sadness, anxiety, because you're worried about just these things that are really terrible going on in your life. And you carry it out every single day, and it's too shameful to really bring up to your friends because you want to be that downer. So you just try to you know, ignore it. But you're getting beaten down all the time, and it's really hard. I know last month I was going through a difficult season. I felt really burdened by the busyness and the stress of work. It was really awkward because... That means I'm stressed by the church, <laughs> so I'm stressed by you guys, <laughs> and so that was it's awkward. Uh, but you know, I was I was I was busy and I was stressed about things, and man, it was just it was a, October was a rough month for me. No one really knows, right? Because that's what we do, we we hide it. Uh, but it was hard for me. Uh, but you know what also happened in October? It was my birth. It was my birthday. It was my birthday in October, and man, did that feel good that one day? I, I went to work that day because it was it was a Tuesday. I didn't really go to work. You ever have that where you go to work, but you're not really there? Awesome. I was there, but not there. I remember after lunch, we, or for lunch, I ate with my friends. Evening, I came home, spent time with the family, and then no negative stuff that day, because my birthday. My wife, after dinner, was like, hey, we have these tax forms that we have to kind of do a correction for. I'm like, it's my birthday. Not today. Let's do it tomorrow, but this is my birthday, hon. And man, that felt really good. Because even though it was a difficult season in my life, it was just really refreshing to have a day filled with joy, a day where I don't think about that stuff, a day where I get to just rest and I get to just do things I want to do. And what God is telling us through Sabbath is you need to experience this in your life too. 
And you need to experience it a lot more often than once a year because life is hard. Your life is really hard. It's hard. And what's worse is you are just living that way every single day. And that's why God says, I give you Sabbath. Notice of all the practices, this is the one practice that it's not up to you really to set it up. God brings it to you. Silence and solitude, up to you. Bible reading, up to you. Fasting, up to you. Prayer, up to you. But Sabbath, it comes to you. Every single week, God brings us as a gift, telling you that, hey, no matter how joyful your week was or how hard and difficult your week was, you need a Sabbath. You need this in the regular rhythm of your life. Now, the problem, though, is if Sabbath is so nice, it's so life-giving and it's filled with healing, why is nobody doing it? Why is it so hard for us to, to do that? And I think it's kind of simple. Because practicing Sabbath, if you do it regularly every week, it requires a lot of faith in God. It requires you trusting that your work, it's going to be okay if you don't do it for one day. That your life and all the bills and craziness, it will be okay not touching it for one day. And that's really hard because as human beings, we love to be in control. We love to be on top of things with our life because if we aren't taking care of it, who will? But Sabbath, Sabbath is that day where we are called, especially as followers of Jesus, to practice what we profess, which is we all believe if you follow Jesus, God is sovereign and he will take care of us. Do you really believe that? I know we say it, but do you really believe God is sovereign and he will take care of you? Prove it. Practice Sabbath. Sabbath reveals how true that idea is. Sabbath reveals how sovereign you really think God is over your work and over your life. Sabbath is that day we remember God is God and I am not. One author named Pete Scazzaro, he says like this, quote, we, st- we stop on Sabbath because God is on the throne, assuring us the world will not fall apart if we cease our activities. So he commands us to relax, to enjoy the fact that we are not in charge of his world. The core spiritual issue in stopping revolves around trust. Will God take care of us and our concerns if we obey him by stopping to keep the Sabbath? That's what we're doing. And so question, do you practice Sabbath in your life? What's stopping you? What makes it hard to take one day off a week? And if you're not doing it, do you feel the consequences of that? It's up to you. No one's forcing you to do Sabbath. It is an invitation, and you could choose to do Sabbath or not. It's up to you. And a lot of us, we don't do it because it seems very impractical. Come on. One one whole day, do you know my life? Do you know how crazy work is? Do you know how crazy home life is, my kids? That's just not realistic. And so we'll walk away listening to a nice sermon, being inspired. We're glad Jesus did it, but not us. And you go back to your life doing what you're going to do. But let me just tell you one thing. There's a reason why people burn out in their 30s and 40s. There's a reason why people have mental health issues where all of a sudden anxiety comes, depression comes. It all pops up for some reason in your 30s and 40s a lot lot of times. The reason why is because you have been doing violence on your soul. You are going nonstop over and over again, and your body and your soul, it just cannot take it. 
And so you slowly break down because you keep going. And that's where I just see people, especially my age, they just have crazy health issues, both physical and mental, because they're just going and going and going. And so while the cost of practicing Sabbath, it's high, the cost of not practicing Sabbath is even higher. You will see it as you get older. But here's the switch. If you choose to start practicing Sabbath, if this is something that you start to ingrain in your life, I'm not saying it's easy. We'll talk about what it looks like. But if you start to ingrain it, what's going to happen is it's not just going to change your day. It will actually change your week. It will change your months. And I kid you not, over a span of a long period of time, it changes your life. A few years ago, I went to a conference with a couple of friends. It was a Christian conference. And let me tell you, Worst conference I've ever been to. Oh my gosh, I paid good money for this and it was horrible. The speakers were boring, the workshops were lame, and they did that thing where before the conference started, they go, turn to your neighbor and talk for five minutes, answering this question. And I was like, oh my gosh, the introvert in me was like dying. I had to talk to all these strangers every single conference period of time. And horrible conference, great trip. It was a great trip though. You know why? Week-long conference, horrible, but there was one day we said, forget it, let's skip the conference. We were going to go and eat nice food. We went to watch a movie in the theater. I still remember it was Gone Girl, a super crazy movie. We had dinner and we just enjoyed the night. And so now when I look back at that conference, I still think, dude, terrible conference, great trip. Why? One day changed it all. One day shaped everything. Doesn't make the conference good, conference still sucked but I was able to enjoy that trip. That's what Sabbath does. Your weeks are rough, and you can't change that. What we can do is there is one day that you could enjoy, one day that you could rest, where even though you had a rough time at work, you still had a decent week. That's what God wants for us. Now, what does this look like, though? How do you practice a 24-hour Sabbath? Do you just sleep all day? you go golf all day? Do we just pray all day? we go to church all day? That leads to the last point. How do we practice it? We need to be careful. You don't want specific rules because that's when you become a Pharisee and becomes a burden. Uh, but you do need intentionality because no one naturally just falls into Sabbath. If you just go with it and wing it, you're going to practice the, the bastard Sabbath, what Eugene Peterson talked about, and you're going to stay tired. And so what does Sabbath look like to us? And what I would actually offer is if you go back again to Torah and to Genesis— uh, there's four principles that we can take on what should be there on your Sabbath day. And so here are the four. To practice Sabbath fully is first, you must do this. Stop. If you want to experience Sabbath, stop. Genesis chapter 2, when God created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day, it says he finished the work that he was done. He stopped. He was, it was over. It ended. It's like the TV show Chopped. You know, when they make the food and the timer's up, what happens? They stop. Whatever's there, it's there. But you just stop. You just trust whatever happens, happens. That's what Sabbath is. If you want to experience life in Sabbath, healing in Sabbath, you stop your work. You stop it. Work is good. I'm not dissing work. Work is necessary. But it is burdensome to have on your Sabbath. It ruins the Sabbath. You ever bring a laptop to, uh, and do your work typing on your essay or your paper while at a gourmet steakhouse? Have you ever done that before? You don't do that at a steakhouse. You do that at Del Taco or McDonald's and then you eat. But at a steakhouse, 
dude, put that away. Enjoy that steakhouse, right? That's the essence, of, uh, the essence of what you're doing when you bring work to Sabbath. You will not enjoy your Sabbath if you bring the burden of work on Sabbath day. And so Sabbath, it's meant to be this day where we stop our work and not just your paid work, even your unpaid work. For some of you, you don't Sabbath, you Sabbath where you don't do your job, but you are doing a bunch of other jobs. You're hoeing your garden, you're doing chores, you're changing the light bulbs, you're painting the house and so forth. And unless that gives you life, and for some people that does, my wife, she loves Target. Target gives her life. That's you, go to Target, go for it. But for a lot of us, you're doing it because you just didn't have time during the week. If that's you, that is not Sabbath. Sabbath is we stop doing paid work, we stop doing unpaid work, we stop worrying about work, we stop, we cease. And this could be so hard. You know, every day I think the sermon could be better. Like, this could be a little better, a little better. And everyone's like, yes, it could be. A little better. You know how much it takes for me to be like, but I have to stop? Because there are some things in life more important than the sermon, like my soul. There's some things more important to your life than your work, your soul. And that's why God says, stop for one day. Can you stop? Not only that, when you practice Sabbath, don't just stop, but secondly, rest. When we Sabbath, we rest. Genesis 2 says, after God finished his work, he rested from his work, and we are called to do the same. This includes a physical rest, where Sabbath is the day you give yourself permission to sleep in if you can. If you have kids, you can't do that, but you can take a nap. You get permission, can I just rest my body? Sabbath is a day where you get not just physical rest, but emotional rest, where you don't focus on the problems of life. There's worries, there's war in Ukraine, there's elections, but that day you don't think about it. So a lot of people on Sabbath, they don't go on social media, they call it digital detox. I just don't touch it that day because I want to just rest my emotions. And Sabbath is also a day where it's not just physical, emotional, but spiritual rest. Where Sabbath is you are taking time to remember God in your life. And that's why Sabbath, it's not just golfing all day or hiking all day, because you will find rest for your body in that. You won't find rest for your souls. It's a physical, emotional, and spiritual restful day. Thirdly, and this might be the one that we're missing the most, we practice Sabbath not just to stop, not just rest, but we delight. We delight on Sabbath day. Genesis 2, when God stopped, was he like, oh, I'm tired. And that's why I got to stop creation. Now, what did God do? He stopped, and what did he say? It is good. This is good. This is very good. What's God doing? He's delighting. He is delighting in his creation. And that's what we're supposed to do on Sabbath too. Sabbath is not just a bunch of negatives, what you shouldn't do, but what are you doing that day? What are you filling your day with? And what we're called to do is delight like God did. This is the day you go on the walk to the park where even though you love the outdoors, you just don't have time during the week, let this be the day you are in the outdoors. Let this be the day where you eat good food. I know you're on a budget. I know you want to save money. But on this day, you're not paying for the food. You're paying for Sabbath. You're paying to restore your soul. If you, this, let this be the day where you actually invite and hang out with friends, where you invite them into your life and you get to spend time and enjoy them. And if you're introverted, that sounds like a nightmare. This is your day where you read a book by yourself and you just enjoy that day in isolation because you're always spending time with people. 
But you need, in other words, to fill your day with beauty, with delight, with joy. Marva Dawn, she writes this about Sabbath. She says, quote, observing the Sabbath, it gives us the opportunity to be as careful as we can to fill our lives with beauty and to share beauty with the world around us. When we observe a day especially set apart for beauty, all the rest of life is made more beautiful. A lot of you churchy people, this is missing from your Sabbath. You're going to church, you're doing stuff, but there's no beauty. Sabbath is meant to be a day where you do something beautiful and you do it guilt-free. And so we stop, we rest, we delight. But there's one more thing that we do on Sabbath, and that's this, we worship. This is what distinguishes a Christian Sabbath from the Google secular Sabbath. We Sabbath unto the Lord because we recognize that true rest comes when we are in the presence of the Lord. And that's why the Sabbath has shifted from, for the Jews where it was from Saturday, but notice the Christians, it was the Lord's Day on Sunday because they saw worship as being this essential day where Jesus, he rose from the dead on Sunday. And so they started to gather and they just kind of made, this is our Sabbath day. We're going to rest, but we're also going to worship together. And that's just how it's been in the past 2,000 years. Now, for some of us here, when you see that, you go, man, I've been liking what you've been saying about Sabbath until right now. Stop, rest, delight, mm, that sounds good. But worship, man, that's a buzzkill. So you're saying Sabbath, I have to go to church. I knew it. I knew it. And I understand, because for a lot of you, when you come to church, it's a burden. It's tiring. Uh, but let me propose this. You know why I think it's tiring for a lot of us? Because you're only worshiping on Sabbath. This is the only thing you're doing. There's no stopping. There's no resting. There's no delighting. So you're here worried about work, checking your phone, seeing your emails, thinking about what's going to happen afterward, thinking about the errands you have to run, thinking about work that has to begin tomorrow. You can't enjoy it. You can't worship. And that's why you dread it all the time. You ever go to a Korean barbecue restaurant and you go and the meat is good, but then the, the, there's these side dishes that Koreans call panchan. And the panchan, you ever have it where the panchan is really bad? It like ruins the experience. So whenever I go to a Korean barbecue restaurant, I judge it based on the panchan. Like, is this good? Then it's going to be a good meal. Even though the meat is most important like this, the panchan enhances the Korean barbecue. Or it makes the Korean barbecue kind of lame. Worship is like the Korean barbecue. It's like the meat. Stop, rest, delight. That's the panchan. And a lot of you, you are just eating meat. And so you're not enjoying it because you've got no panchan in your life. Some of you, you're only eating the panchan. You're stopping, delighting, resting. But you're still hungry because you're not worshiping. That's what's going on. That's why we're so tired. That's why we're so weary. We're not practicing Sabbath. You know, for me, you know how my Sabbath looks like? My Sabbath begins tonight. It's not in the morning for me, even though most of you might be today. I help you experience Sabbath. That's my, that's my job. But my Sabbath is when the kids go down, whew, my garage, I go in there, I sit down, I have a cup of uh, Coke, and if it's a stressful day, a cup of wine, and I'll read books, and I'll play jazz music, and I just relax. And then the next morning I sleep in, or no, I don't sleep in, I have to take the kids to school because I'm still a dad, so I take them to school. But then... I just chill. Hey, if you text me on Monday, you ain't getting a text back. If you email Monday, I'll look at it, but I ain't going to think about it. I am just chilling. I go on Mondays, that's my permission to eat good food. The food that my wife does not like, I will like it. 
I will eat it. I get the good dessert. That is my delight. And then I come home, I nap. And I, no guilt, I just nap. And then in the evening I play with my family. We have actually an intentional like, family meeting time. And then in the evening I just watch a movie. All these emails are there, all these text messages are there. Whatever. Whatever, it's all good. I am so, as I talk about this, I'm so excited for tonight. I am so excited because this is like my night. It makes everything a little bit better. And for a lot of you, I get really sad that you don't have that. You don't have a highlight. Your highlights are birthday. Your highlights, those two weeks of vacation all year. That's a long time to wait. But God, he invites us every week. Hey, Sabbath. I give you permission to Sabbath. Now, I know some of you listen to this. This sounds nice. This sounds good. But it sounds still impractical. You don't know my life, Tom. You don't know how busy I am. For some of you, you're really busy. For some of you, life is really hard. For some of you, you feel like you can't practice Sabbath. And if that's you, I get it. I really get it. But again, what I would say is, you're going to feel over time that the pace you're going, it's not sustainable. You're going to feel with your health issues. You're going to get sick a lot for some reason. You're going to get chronic stress a lot. You're going to get depressed a lot. You're going to see a counselor and a therapist a lot. You're going to need a sabbatical, which is kind of ironic because you just need it. And usually what that means is you're catching up on all the Sabbaths that you missed. You could choose that route, or you could choose maybe I should consider what should I do right now. For some of you, you, live, you kind of have wonky jobs. Like you, it's like you're a firefighter or you're a nurse. or you're, It's just really hard to schedule 24 hours. That's okay. Do what you can. Start somewhere. Try half a day. Begin half a day. Doesn't mean you could, don't have to Sabbath. It might, just might look different starting where you're at. Some of you, you serve on Sundays. And you go, man, I serve. I help set up or I help do ushering. Instead of Sabbathing 24 hours then, Sabbath 23 hours. That's okay. That's okay. One hour of you serving. Start somewhere. But here's the biggest one, the biggest challenge for us. It's the parents. All the parents with young kids. This sounds good when my kids get older. When my kids get older and I'm less busy, then I'll consider Sabbathing. And you say that to yourself and nobody challenges you. Because we feel like we don't have the right to challenge you. Because parenting is hard, I get it. But just know, I have three kids, and they're young. So let me push back a little bit and say this. The biggest lie as a parent that you, will ever tell your, that you always tell yourself is that it gets easier as they get older. It's the biggest lie. Parents with kids ages zero to five, we think as soon as the kids go to school, as soon as they're out of the diapers, then it'll be better. Then it'll be easier. Mm-mm. No, it's not. It's different. You might be less physically tired, but you're still messed up. It's still hard to Sabbath. I used to think when my kids were, you know, my kids are now five, that post-five age grade, I thought when they're teenagers, they're autonomous. They could drive themselves. That would be great. Mm-mm. All my friends who have teenagers, they're like, dude, that's when it really begins. That's when it's really hard. So then I thought, man, once I'm an empty nester, once I have no kids in the house, then I could Sabbath. Then I could rest. Mm-mm. I recently heard this grandfather talk. He's like, you know, 
I have four kids, and now I have 10 grandchildren. It's the worst it's ever been. And I was like, dear God, it never gets better. It never gets better. And we tell ourselves, though, it gets better. That's the biggest lie to get you to keep going, to dehumanize yourself. And it begins in college. I don't have time. And post-grad, I don't have time. Marriage, I don't have time. Kids, I don't have time. Teenage kids, I don't have time. It's the same thing. No one has time. And that's why the time to begin Sabbath is right now. It's right now. And what's the practice for us? Start small. Some of you, you worship on Sabbath, awesome. Bring the light into your, into your Sabbath. Include that regularly. Some of you, you delight in your Sabbath, awesome. Stop on your Sabbath now. Stop your work. Whatever it is that's missing, bring that into your Sabbath life. Consider bringing it. It took me years to architect my Sabbath, but thank God Sabbath is now part of my rhythm. I am not withering. I am slowly coming alive. And I really believe with all my heart if we are a church that practices Sabbath, we are not coming here dead, but there will be life that begins in us. And so as I invite the praise team up, can I just invite us to a time to pray? For some of us here, as you think about your Sabbath, there might be some barrier that's blocking it. It might be your kids. It might be your job. It might be just the state of your life that makes it hard. Just know God does not look at you thinking what's wrong with you. God looks at that with great compassion because that is hard. That is a burden. And you must be so tired. You must be really tired. And that's why I really believe the Spirit of God, we need him to speak into our life to see, well, if this is making me so tired, maybe, maybe what Jesus is saying about Sabbath is worth considering. So whatever barrier it is for you, or for some of us, you are Sabbathing, but it's not a full Sabbath, there needs to be something more because you're not feeling restful, consider what can you add to your Sabbath. Maybe you need to stop more, rest more, delight more, worship more, whatever it might be. But let's really pray to God, our hearts, confessing, asking, professing, and then I'll close this in a time of prayer. So let's pray, and then we'll pray all together as a community.